Hey everybody, it's Obi from the Obi and Axe Show. I have Axe with me, and we have a special guest, former uh, founder for World Trade Group North America and current CEO and founder, Next Level Summit, Stuart Press. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, Obi, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I think this is, a, this is a, an interview that I was very much looking forward to. Um, you know, when I started out of school, uh, Stuart was the individual that was my mentor uh, in corporate sales. When I first came out, I had done sales from, you know, 15 years old to 25. Um, but Stu, you took me, on, took me under your wing for, uh, for corporate sales at WTG. Um, talk about uh, World Trade Group. What were they and how did you get started there? And, and uh, give us a bit of a background. Uh, certainly. So uh, World Trade Group was an organization uh, based out of uh, Europe, out of the UK. Uh, I just basically uh, cold called the, uh, the, the CEO and chairman of the company and uh, let them know that I was uh, on the move, uh, looking to, uh, to make a move from, from uh, my former company, who I was with for seven years. Uh, he had heard of me through the industry, uh, asked me to send the resume. I've never had a resume. So I sent a uh, quick uh, email over to, uh, to one of the VPs. And within a week later, I was on a plane down to, uh, to London to meet with the group. Uh, stayed down in, uh, in London for about a week. Uh, came back and within, I think it was about uh, three months from there, we were up and running uh, up in the, uh, the, the, I guess, uh, the Toronto Star Building uh, with a serviced office and, and a bunch of people. And uh, the rest is history. We took that company to, uh, to, to many, many millions. And uh, I left that organization um, to, uh, to, to start my, uh, my current uh, venture, uh, Next Level Summits. Yeah, and, and World Trade Group, um, we're putting events together for some of the biggest government bodies and executives on the planet. Tell me a little bit more about the, the guts of World Trade Group and what NLS does now. Uh, the guts are similar. I mean, uh, basically, we were, uh, we were putting together uh, high-end executive uh, business uh, meetings, uh, like you said, for some of the biggest uh, organizations uh, in the world, uh, government bodies, uh, you know, both on the, uh, on the, uh, on the, on the, on the regulatory side, uh, as well as uh, large uh, food companies, uh, pharma companies. They were more diverse than my current organization. We're more of a specialized organization now. Uh, I think in the industry, you want to specialize more than be uh, broad-based, but they were, they were into everything. Uh, they had a lot of uh, backbone from, from the UK and a lot of the, uh, the, the support that was required for the organization was coming out of, uh, out of Europe. And there was always a watchful eye on us uh, here in North America to what was going on in, uh, in, in the company. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was exciting. It was exciting times. And that's where we, we, we hired a lot. We did a, we did a lot of hiring. Uh, that's where I came uh, to meet uh, yourself. Uh, you came uh, like most people do, uh, you know, fresh out of out of school uh, or with minimal uh, work experience. Uh, it's a matter yeah. of uh, making. I think when when you're looking for for people, even in today's world, I would suggest uh, anybody to sort of not if you're not looking for somebody that's really really technically specialized, but you're looking for somebody that's in a business development, uh, you know, maybe a, a junior marketing type of role then you really have to sort of close the resume and really hire on your gut instinct. Yeah. I think a lot of the successful people that I've hired over my career and, and, and over business has been on gut instinct. I've hired on whether I think the, the individuals can actually uh, make a go based on personality, persona, ambition, and so forth. And that's how we, we, we came to, to meet you. And, uh, you know, I mean, your career is obviously 
in the history books now of, of where you've come from and, you know, I mean, what you've faced over the years, uh, both with me and in World Trade and Next Level Summits. Yeah, what's up? I gotta, I'm gonna just cut right into it. I don't it. like when Axe looks at me like um, that. I can yeah, tell I think I'm waiting. Me. I'm waiting for Axe to ask the, the question, smiling and just. <laughs> you had a lot of gut feelings, I guess. Three times gut feelings with Andy. I was just wondering. Let's talk about his career with you and and how that went, and uh, I guess how uh, how he he did so well and may have dropped off and went so well and then kicked ass and became the powerhouse that he is today. Well, he's he's definitely had uh, several tours of duty with me. I mean, uh, uh, forget about the uh, forget about the pun. But I mean, he's had a lot of tours of duty with me. I mean, you know, the first time he came in, like any other job, I mean, he didn't really know who the company was, what to expect. And you always come in a little more cautious as you get more comfortable with the company and with the people that you're working with. Uh, you can push the envelope a lot more. Uh, he definitely pushed envelopes uh, like he was working in a post office, so he had no trouble in, in pushing. But he, he was an ambitious individual. Uh, you know, I mean, the reason why we got along so well and the reason why he's had many uh, tours with me is that I look at ambition. Uh, he was someone like myself that would never take no for an answer, never gave up. If you threw him out the door, he'd come in the window. If you threw him out the window, he'd come in the chimney. I mean, he was always looking for somewhere to, to get to that individual uh, and to, to get to where he needed to be to make the, uh, the sale. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, certainly in business, there were times when, when I had to, uh, to terminate his employment. Yep. Uh, you know, three times. Uh, three times. But the, the reason why we took him back is uh, because he's, he proved to himself each time that he was worthy of, of, of being given another opportunity. And they weren't that, uh, you know, at the time they were detrimental to the company. It was a type of thing as, as, a, as a CEO or, or, or a senior executive I had to make that decision for the better of the company. It's for the interesting. Perception. I have two questions and that's actually for both of you. How did it feel, you know, getting fired and how did you overcome that? And on your end, how did it feel bringing someone back that you just fired? Because that's both awkward situations, you know, in reality, like at the end of the day, you know, what, what did that feel like? Let's go. You know, I think, I think from my end, I had so much respect for Stu and we went back so far and I knew, um, I really, I've never met another sales guy as aggressive as myself, uh, still not even close. And I knew that, you know, I would always play in the gray, uh, the gray matter. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've always been one, especially since I had been, you know, in my early days in trouble with the law and all kinds of stuff. The one thing I never did was shy away when I was wrong and face the music, you know. Um, so as much as I got in shit, um, you know, I respected the man and, uh, you know, I'm a big believer and, you know, if you do the, do the crime, you do the time. And that's in all senses of my life. So, um, you know, I came back, uh, willingly because I truly enjoyed, uh, working under Stu. I learned a lot. He was my mentor for corporate sales. Um, as, as we mentioned, you know, yeah. outside. So there was a lot of history there. Um, and the fact is I loved, I truly loved, I love to sell you know, and I love to make 50% riffs and there was nowhere else in Toronto and Canada that would offer me a 50% riff. So there was a lot of different things that made me want to, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, come back. Scent is pretty nice. On your end, how was that? You know, taking them, taking employees. It's also a hit know. to the, it also, uh, you know, they're, they're with, with losing O'Brien there, there's a little hit you do take as well. Uh, he let you know when he left that, you know, the company was going down, uh, you know, he, he let you know as he was being escorted out the door. <laughs> But I mean, that's never the case. It's, it's never a one man uh, show. Yeah, no, so yeah. when you, as a company, 
Uh, it's definitely a team environment. I mean, you, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Mm-hmm. But I think what made me take uh, Obi back, and I've done it with a, with a, with a couple of other uh, executives over over the uh, the twenty some odd years, is you've got to put your emotions uh, aside. Mm-hmm. You've got to you've got to drop your ego at the door. You've got to put your emotions aside, and you've got to think: Does the individual have what you're looking for? To, to, to require uh, what, what you need to move the company forward. Yeah, I think that's the problem right now. A lot of people are thinking too emotionally. You know, I, I know a lot of founders who do, especially the early ones that are thinking with their heads a little too much rather than, I mean, with their, you know, with their egos and not thinking about the business at the end of the day. Like, was this detrimental to the business, you know, and losing some specific, you know, uh, personnel that might be actually helpful to the business and well like exactly you yeah. can't you can't make uh decisions emotionally in business if you're going to go into business and start a company and you're going to make your decisions all emotionally then save your money and, and go work for someone else uh you've got to be hard skin uh you've got to go through the ups and downs of the business you've got to weather the storm and you're going to have individuals that you're going to butt heads with uh usually the the the, the better employees are the ones that are the more difficult ones to manage and you butt heads the most with because they're the aggressive ones who are going to try to move themselves forward. But in doing that, they're going to move your company forward as well. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. It was a bit of a mix because I knew, you know, in my head as well, you know, I knew that it was a, it was an early company as well. And it was done extremely well with or without me. I mean, the company was doing well. It was a great market, great business idea. So I always give Stu the, the, the credit there. I also know too that, you know, in my entire career, um, I know that it's like losing. There's only a certain amount, and we know this from selling, there's only a certain amount of Mario Lemieux or Crosby's that come in 15, 20 years. I always knew that there's not going to be another Andy O'Brien walk and it and it does come down to being cost effective. And that's where I think I I've now become a bit more humble, especially as a business owner myself. Um, I see a lot more from Stu's side of it. But I also knew, you know, at the end of the day, if you give up a Crosby out there, it's gonna hurt the bottom line. And I think that's also where I I played a little bit because I looked at some of the other schmucks that I was up against. We know them and I would annihilate five of them by myself by Freaking 10 a.m. in the morning, I could beat them in an entire week, five of them. And I knew that. Um, so I always played a little bit to that. And even with Bytopia, same thing, you know, and, and Michelle and Tolly would say, you know, like they, they knew there's not going to be another Andy O'Brien walking in in, in 20 years. And no. I know that. Um, so it was a little bit of that. But he gave me a dose of reality when I got canned three times. Um, but there's that rapport and relationship and respect. So I think we always ended up finding a way to, you know, to make it work. Yeah, certainly. I mean, as long as there's the respect there, as long as you respect one another and it doesn't interfere with the business, then you're, you're good to bring somebody back even after uh, being terminated. Got it. So, so you, I mean, clearly you're both great, great businessmen. The culture itself, you know, of sales, and I, I wanted to actually get into this in terms of sometimes it's toxic because, you know, it's a super competitive environment. It's like cutthroat and things like that. How do you guys both deal with that either competitively, whatever competition that you did have and personally in yourselves on how you dealt with, oh, I need to meet my mark. I need to meet my, my quota for the month. How did you mentally deal with it? I did drugs and drank. Got Dude. it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Unfortunately, I took the uh, the hard road and I just opened up the uh, the Scott's directory when I started and just fired off like copying the entire thing, did leads and got on the phone. Yeah. Uh, I think what the end of the day is, it is a cutthroat uh, business in general's cutthroat. Only certain people make it to the top. Uh, like, you know, the cream rises to the top. I think what you have to do is you have to forget about worrying about what people think about you. Uh, and, you know, you, you can't worry about stepping over people to get where you want to go. 
I mean, it's going to be the, you know, uh, the, the top individuals that excel. We, we were in a very heavily performance driven business. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, you've, you've, you know, it's not like you're working for, you know, a company where you're going to put in your time to get to the top. You can rise to the top just by being a very, very strong performer and showing ability to be able to have ideologies and so forth that, that will benefit the company. Okay. And that's the same as what I did in my career to, to get to the top. Uh, and that's obviously what Obi's done in his career. No, totally. I mean, I, we clearly know, you know, what trials and tribulations you went through. Anything on your end, you know, what, as you're growing the business and, and you leading an entire team, you know, what stressed you out and how did you get over it? Oh, the biggest stress is, uh, you know, I've, I've worked for some big corporations yeah. and the stress is always uh, as you start getting promoted in a company, you make less and less friends. Mm. Uh, there's more people that will talk about you or, or, or you know, behind your back. And then you have to, to sort of, you know, I mean, you have to close yeah. your eyes to that and say, you know, sometimes like I remember when I started in the industry, I was working for an individual who eventually was working for me. Yeah. And uh, you've got it. You've got to sort of close your eyes to that and say, look, you've got a goal and I'm going to achieve my goal. And you've just got to not worry about that, about people talking about you and people not agreeing with you. And, you know, you're not going to make as many friends as you'd like. But uh, typically, if you want to exceed, uh, you're not there to make friends. It's you're a lonely there. road to success. I it's mean, a very lonely road sure to success. And uh, that's why there's not a lot of successful people. Yeah. Uh, I find uh, today uh, the, the indus industries in general and, and environments have changed. It's very much younger. Uh, people are more into commodity. Yeah. Uh, they're into, you know, you've got the millennial world where, you know, people want to just put in their nine to five type of uh, hours and uh, make a lot of friends. It's, uh, companies are very social now. That's the, uh, that's the reward is being social, you know, gatherings and outside. And it's changed. Absolutely. It's changed. So from sales, have you, have you seen a change? You know, now that, you know, the boom of it's all soft, like so many software businesses are out there and everything like there's like SaaS and, you know, in terms of people are doing B2C moving to B2B software sales and everything like that. How has sales changed with the amount of technology that has, you know, came into the world since you guys first started doing sales? Oh, sales has changed uh, big times with the uh, with the digital boom and the social media boom. When we when I started, especially 20 some odd years ago, uh, we were primarily, you know, faxing, uh, you know, contracts and agreements <laughs> over, over to clients and sitting and waiting for, for the fax signature to come back. Now everything's electronic, it's digital, it's online. Uh, even to the point of uh, when, when, when I started World Trade Group and before, and when, when, uh, when Obi came into the industry, uh, a lot of cold calling. And I think the, the, the cold calling industry is still out there. Uh, the dynamics of cold calling has changed where you've really got to be a lot more strategic yeah. in trying to get to senior level executives. In our business, we're trying to get to very, very senior level people. Uh, they're, the, they're the hardest individuals to get a hold of. Obviously, they've got the standard gatekeepers. They've got people asking questions. Yeah. They're not sitting by their phone waiting for, you know, for, for Stuart or Obi to call them and, and pitch them. They don't have a lot of time. Everybody has the same type of philosophy, you know, send me something or, or what's the call about. So a lot of screening. So you've, you've got to be strategic. So I think the the world of actual uh, hard cold calling, with the exception of your your typical duck cleaners during the day, and uh, people from, from overseas trying to sell you uh, scams has, uh, has changed. And I, I, I know we laugh about that, but unfortunately, that's the reason why a lot of these executives are shying away from picking up the phone mm -hmm. because they never know who's going to be on the other end of the phone with Absolutely. people you know, blocking calls and caller IDs and all those types of 
technology-driven uh, things that people have is that it makes it very difficult. So you've got to be strategic. Uh, typically in today's world, we use a lot of social media to soft introduce ourselves to individuals. Credibility is a key. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I've, I've built up a credible uh, business and myself being credible and, and OB uh, being credible in the industry is able to utilize a lot of uh, his background to, to get people to take his phone call. I think that's important because a lot of people will check you out via social oh, yeah. media before resume. they even take you. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. your resume. What, what's Absolutely. out there on your social media? Uh, and I tell a lot of people, whatever you post on social media now, especially my, 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 my kids, yeah. I tell them, if you post something on Facebook, be prepared that it's going to come back to either haunt you or help you in the future. Yeah. yeah. To second that, you know, obviously sales has taken, um, you know, a dramatic change over, you know, when I started in corporate, maybe, you know, 18 years ago, um, where we didn't, you know, it was cold calling and trying to use different lists, whether it was, you know, different associations to gain access to people. Um, but now it's resume, but I also take those skills that I believe I'm in the top 3% with, um, you know, and I, and I use that to my advantage because I can still dig within an organization to get those right numbers. And I know that an extension forwards to a cell phone. I use that to my benefit, right? I still use those skills because they're definitely transferable. Now, the other thing you bring up a good point, has it changed? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say what's constant, what hasn't changed? Well, what hasn't changed is that there's still idiots out there <laughs> that give me the amazing opportunity to be me People are sending them blank emails. People are sending them bullshit on LinkedIn. This long, sincerely, no. Andy, partner, you know, former partner with Michelle. Um, I've done da-da-da-da-da. Sometimes I write, hey, thanks for accepting. Check out my profile. I'd love five. A. That's it. And then I get the call. Or I wiggle and jiggle within the organization. And I get referred from different divisions. I don't. I, I still do what I do because it works and it differentiates me. Now, these young salespeople, they, they can't even make a call. They're scared. It's great. I've sold everything you can think of. And, and not one, diff, one vertical is not, does not trap me to be the same. I chameleon to whatever I'm selling and whoever I'm working with and whoever I'm talking to. Everything has to, to line up. And a lot of it's by reading to the second, like when you freestyle, like Eminem. Yeah. That's what I do in sales. It's, yeah. it's, there's no one set way. I do it differently to the person I'm talking to. You answered the phone very like, hello, to the point. Not much personality. I'm reading. Get down to business. Don't have much time. Let's be important like a government official type of tone, persona, and get right into the program. Password protected. That's why you gotta have it now because we don't just let this thing out so that everybody can go and check this thing out online. It's specific to you. I have an invite for you. So are yeah. you like that too, Stuart? Do you well, like to switch? 100%. I think, first of all, the most important thing is if you're going to sell over the phone is you've got to be uh, very conversational. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't believe in, in working yeah. off of scripts and pitches. I think you have to have definitely a structure of what you want to say. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, like Obi had mentioned, alluded to, in the first couple of seconds, just on how you answer, how's your morning going? You read I can tell your voice on whether or not I have to change and go into third gear or yeah. whether I have to bring it down a bit because I can tell if you're someone that's, you know, great. And like Obi said, if I was any better, there'd be two of me. I know that he's more, he's, he's loosey goosey. About himself. You know, yeah. I also like to talk about, you know, if I'm calling somebody in, in, in Kansas city or, or whatever, I'm going to say, Hey, you know, congratulations on the Super Bowl win. Yeah. yeah. So you've True. always, you've always got to be current matter of fact, 
uh, do your research before. Uh, the, the, the days of actually, um, you know, getting on the phone and just, you know, going out there and hammering somebody with a script is, is out the door. Uh, people will, will, people buy off people. It's really how you open up and how you come across on that first yeah. 30 seconds of the call. It's, it's so true. And I think one of the biggest things I always, I, and I still do to this day is I, you guys know my personality. I'm a comedian. I love comedy and I always come up with, it could be there's lots of different one-liners. There's lots of different things that I do to get people going. And if I find somebody's really, you know, uptight that answers the phone, don't get me wrong. I'll tickle a little bit and tell them great stuff about them. You know, like I say, it really comes down to every single call is different. And I've never had one pitch the same. It's all different, you know, and it comes down to, um, you know, that what I think on that second and either I'm right or I'm wrong. There's no middle ground. So I read and that's, it's like, you know, it, it, there's no, you can't, I have trouble training people to do what I do. Oh, you can't. I mean, they, they, they can't. I can't. That's a constant theme I'm hearing that it, it's really, you can't you pull train. out their personality, right? Like you, you look and you see what's good in a person in terms of their personality. And then you pull their, that part of their personality out and you teach the sales mechanics around it. But you can't make somebody you, and you can't, and if you, I'm not going to train a bunch of sales monkeys to just read a script, because that's garbage. If I take someone under my wing, and there is a select few that I spend time with and take under my wing, Daniel Z is one of them, yourself, because I see something in their personality, and I want to pull that out and put a spotlight on it and teach sales mechanics around it. Opening, climax, close, always, be close. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's when I said about personality. That's when I said when you, you say about hiring people. That's why you hire on personality. Yeah. I don't hire a lot of people today because everyone's coming out with, uh, with, with you know, their skills and what they can do and all their education. And unless I can really meet somebody, talk to somebody and get, you know, and get a feel for can I, can I really relate to this person's personality, are they going to be able to really come across to the, to the prospect in a different way than anybody else? I'm yeah. not going to give somebody a script and say, read off this because it's not going to be natural. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody can hear that. And unless you have a yeah. hundred people where you know that 70% of them are going to be shit and you got 30% that are going to be good and you just play the percentages by giving them all a script and see who sinks and who, who doesn't and then just fire a huge chunk, two yeah. handfuls of them every, every month. That's a deep pocket organization yeah. that's going to constantly go through a revolving right. door. So. That's not entrepreneurs. That's not how we got our companies where they are. That's not how companies get sold you know, that's not how successful companies move forward that are on shoestring to grow into something great to be sold one day or go public. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think with sales is, and, I, and I'll say this, am I, I am me, you know, um, I love to get into a conversation. And in fact, I'm an actor. I'm not a sale. Salespeople are a dime a dozen. Okay. And I'll say this, and I want to say this to the, to the viewers and Steve, you, you let me know what you think. If I would be average in sales, I would never do it. The only reason I stuck in sales so long is because I knew I had a gift and I knew that I, that I excelled and that I could, if you make it in sales, you either become an executive entrepreneur, um, you know, or you do something there. If you're not going to become a VP or a director one day or uh, uh, an entrepreneur that's successful, get out of sales. It's a thankless piece of shit job to be average in. You could sit somewhere for customer service, have zero quotas, make the same money, and have 90% less stress and save the drinking problem. 
it's it that's my you know i love to sell i love to act i love to be a different person on every single call i love to engage with as many different types of personalities because every single person in this world is different and why i'm successful is i'm able to mirror that person and become someone they want to talk to mm-hmm. and i have something the most important thing don't sell a piece of shit have something that's valuable three point system i always learned is identify the need isolate the thing and source an execution that's it and if you don't if you're not if you don't sell a piece of shit and love what you do and know if you're naturally good at it or not if you're not bin it yeah i would agree i mean certainly uh in sales you've got to be uh you've got to be above average you want to be the the best that you can be it's uh, in most good companies it's performance driven i think the most important thing that uh, we didn't touch on and this is very important especially if you're an executive of a company or looking to uh, to be a company, is it's really, uh, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with yeah. and that work for you. Yeah. So that's what yeah. a lot of executives forget about is that as much as you can think that you've got a great product and you've got a good execution plan and so forth, you've got to be able to trickle down your message uh, and your personality to the people that work for you. They've yeah. got to buy into everything that you believe in. Absolutely. And you've got to surround yourself around individuals who are, are on the same uh, uh, script as you, uh, want to deliver the same message as you, and uh, you know, not necessarily want to aspire to be as good as you, but definitely want to be above average. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's important. That's, that's what I mean, right? By, by you know, um, anybody that I'm involved with, typically in the area that they're, that they're focused in, have more education, and I and I look at them as being smarter than I am, and I love that because I am only as good as my team. Um, that being said, I think it goes back to not just hiring a bunch of people that you know a stack of resumes and picking the top twenty. I think it goes back to um, I hire people that are hungry, that have a vision for something better, that have the same type of mentality as as I do in terms of you know. Do we want something better? And I think that's key and important in hiring people, as you mentioned, because I don't just want nine to fivers in there. I want people that are excited, that have some energy, positive energy to bring, right? You rub off on one another. So um, that's equally as important. I didn't ask you, how old are your kids, by the way? Uh, 25 and going to be 30. So same, same realm as me. So I'm 26, turning 27. And I think we all grew up in that age where we were on the boom of when tech just and social media just flew out. Yeah. So as we're thinking, you know, we want to be better. I think it was tricky for a lot of our generation because we had such uh, easy access to information. So we saw all the key players and everything. And I mean, you saw the things that happened with social media. You feel shitty about yourself. You compare there's FOMO if you're missing out and all that other stuff. But for my, for all the people that are persevering, I think that's where the star players are now in businesses. Like you see the people that are getting over the past that mental game, especially with business and, and in sales, I was gonna ask you, you know, for, for all my young um, sales uh, people that are out there just starting and maybe they're, they're eating shit out there, maybe they're not doing well. What's your advice for them to get over that mentally, you know, to become better and also to just get over the fact that they failed because a lot of problems that are out there, especially in entrepreneurship, it's so glorified right now that not everybody's understanding the crap that comes with it. So would love your view on that. Well, first of all, in, in sales, I mean, uh, if you're getting into sales, you have to understand that it's a numbers game. No matter what you sell and no matter how good your product is and no matter how good your mentors are and your trainers are, it's strictly a numbers game. You're yeah. going to get a very small percentage of yeses. Uh, the good thing about sales is you only need a small percentage of yeses 
to become successful, yeah. depending on what you're selling. Yeah. So you've got to, again, it's, it's perseverance. I mean, the reason why I'm sitting here, the reason why Obi's sitting here is uh, we've taken a lot of no's. We've taken a lot of hangups. We've taken a lot of people that say, look, we're not interested. Don't call us again. Put us on your do not call list. But, you know, for, for everyone that says no, uh, there's going to be people that are going to say yes. And if you're willing to basically go through that hurdle and persevere, then you'll be successful. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a small percentage of people that can handle that. Uh, it's, and that boils down to your own personality. Yeah. Not everybody is cut out for sales because sales, you need to have a very, very thick skin. Uh, it's very, very difficult to get the door slammed on you. The good thing about telephone sales is you're not actually facing someone yeah. where you're, you're someone's actually telling you to F off in, 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 in face-to-face. Yeah. So that's the beauty about it. But you've got to be persistent and be able to persevere. It's very difficult for, for millennials. I can tell you right now, I empathize with, with my, my kids and with yourself, is that you know, especially living in, in a city like Toronto, and I know Obi talks about performance, and that's all great, but... Unfortunately, the average uh, you know millennial coming into a big city like Toronto, yeah. they can't afford to actually take a job yeah. where you, there's promises involved, where they're saying, "Hey, we're not paying you anything. We're going to give you minimum wage. Live in downtown <laughs> Toronto, yeah. and uh, you'll make money." You just can't do it. So yeah. a lot of the millennials now are looking for the jobs like your Amazon, your tech companies, companies that offer a very very good future or a more secure future or a much better start because you can't pay your bills with promises and hopes and dreams and not everybody can take a risk i think when we started this business and when obi started things were different Mm -hmm. you know so it's very difficult now that's why i don't hire as many people as i did and go through that you know let's bring in i know a lot of people in, in in my industry and industries in general they will go through like revolving doors just try to find that right person Again, very, very difficult to do that. It's it's costly, it's time consuming, yeah. and you don't know if you're gonna find that needle in a haystack. Yeah. And, I, and I think the other big thing to answer your question from my uh, end is, um, is you have to be uh, okay with being told no, like Stu said. But I think more importantly is, you can't take this personal. So to any young person out there that's looking to get in sales, don't take it personal and love engaging with people. And now over the last few years, because of my telephone sales background from 15, 18 years ago, um, over the last five years, probably 75, no, I would say about 50, 50 of my days, you know, dealing with, you know, conference calls, but also face to face. And it's given me um, the ability to um, enjoy, you know, just learning about someone else's issues that I can help with that you become a sales surgeon almost where you're you're identifying a problem, and you're, you're isolating it and doing tests to see if, if you can, you know, operate and, and implement your solution. So it almost becomes um, a game of numbers, but also it's a game against myself. Absolutely. And, and you got to enjoy it. Yeah, so definitely from what I've learned is, you know, it's pretty much perspective at this point, you know, it's perspective of styles, what works. And at the end of the day, it's how you your perspective is on rejection and, you know, and what you do with that. So, uh, Stuart, appreciate anything you want to say, you know, before we end the show, anything you want to plug in? No, there's nothing to plug. I just say, if you want to get into sales, it's a great career. Uh, you've got to have thick skin perseverance. Uh, it'll certainly take you to, uh, areas that you can't imagine, but again, it's not for everybody. So you've got to really look at that before, before you do it. Thanks Stu. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.